Yo, today's QOT is take a stand. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton at SeanCroxton.com. We've got Dr. Wayne Dyer on the show today. He's going to encourage you to question things that don't make sense, right? And also to question your own desires and your actions and ask yourself, are you doing something because you really want to do it because it makes sense to you because it is really you or because somebody's telling you to do it? Because it's the thing to do. You know, I just got done reading a book by Luke Burgess called Wanting. Great book. It's a little heady. Going to have to read it a couple more times. But it's a great book because he talks about desire and how our desires usually come from something called mimetic desire. Essentially, we are uh, mirroring and miming other people. So other people are deciding for us what we want. And it's a trip because a lot of us desire the same thing. And so we end up competing over the same thing, which causes conflict and a lack of fulfillment within us. So fascinating book. Again, it is called Wanting. Speaking of things that don't quite make sense, got a quick announcement for you. Got a free online event coming up next week. It's going to rock. And I really want you to be there. And I want you to tell your friends about it as well. Here's the thing. Here's what doesn't make sense. We have so many coaches, whether they're uh, health coaches, business coaches, life coaches, we've got experts, we've got online course creators or people who want to build online courses and help people. And all of these coaches and experts and course creators have very, very powerful messages. They have solutions for the problems that people have. And if we get these solutions out to the people, then we can solve their pains. And one thing that the coaches and the experts and the course creators want is to build and grow and scale their businesses. They want to earn a darn good living doing what they love, which is solving people's problems. And one of the ways that they want to accomplish this is by enrolling in online marketing courses. And there are so many of them these days. And these courses can cost $2,500, $5,000, or more. And another thing that they'll do is hire coaches, business coaches, to help them with the business, which usually costs a lot of money. And they may sign up for a five-figure mastermind group, all with the hopes of, you know, enrolling in the course or hiring the coach or joining the mastermind group with the hopes of like, this is going to be the thing that puts my message and my business over the top. This is the thing that's going to really get me into action but that's not always how it works. Actually, that's rarely how it works. Now, what made me fascinated about this topic was a few years ago, I enrolled in an online marketing course. And in the first module, the person who was teaching the course, he says this. He says, I can't remember the exact number. He says, a hundred and something people who have taken this course have gone on to earn six figures. And I was like, cool, that's great. 
And then he went on to say, like, I think it was about a dozen people who had taken the course had become millionaires. And I was like, ooh, that's really good. But then he said something that kind of made me stop. He said over 10,500 people had taken the course. So I was like, what? Pull out my calculator and I do the math. Now, assuming that the average person who enrolled in the course wanted to earn over six figures, that meant that the success rate of the course was 2.4%. Now, the crazy thing is this is rather standard. 97% of people who enroll in these really expensive courses don't get the result that they want. They don't find themselves taking the action that they expected to be taking. And there's a reason for that. And that, that's, that was like one of my, that was like my mission. I wanted to find out like, why is this happening? Because I'm gonna keep it real with you. I've actually sold these courses for people who have created them. So I was like, what's going on? And the thing is, I figured it out. And a lot of it comes down to this. Your business begins with your brain. In order to grow and scale your business, you're going to have to take different actions. And to take different actions, you're going to need your brain to be in alignment with what you want to do. Now, most people's brains are not wired for entrepreneurial success, but they can be rewired. And that's what I'm going to teach you next Tuesday through Thursday at my free online event called the Entrepreneur's Mind Intensive. I want you to go to seancroxton.com slash EMI to sign up. It's going to be amazing. Now, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about unconscious fear. You see, your brain, like right there in the front of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, that is the CEO of your brain. If you're going to be the CEO of your business, you need the front part of your brain to work because the prefrontal cortex, what it does is it makes decisions. It does the planning. It's responsible for creativity. It's responsible for innovation. Now, if it's not working really well, your business is going to fail. Now, if you've got unconscious fears, as well as conscious fears, and I'll help you figure out what the unconscious fears are, the CEO of your brain doesn't work, which means your business won't work. I'm going to show you how to find out what those fears are so you can move past them and fire up the part of your brain that's responsible for your business. We're going to talk about conflicts. This is something we've talked about in previous episodes, but the three core elements of your business are sales and marketing and money. But most people have very poor relationships with all three. So I'm going to show you how these conflicts are hurting your business and how you can resolve them. We're also going to talk about how you can silence your inner critic, the self-talk that is going on in your head. How many times have you wanted to do an Instagram live, but there's that critic in your head on full blast telling you all the reasons why people aren't going to love your message and all the reasons why you can't do it. I'm going to show you how to turn down the volume on that inner critic. We're also going to talk about commitments. You know, Dr. Serene Pillay said to me, he says, Sean, the reason you don't have what you want is because you're not committed to having it. Once you become committed to having it, then you'll have it. So if you're not committed to your business, if you're kind of one foot in and one foot out, the business won't work. What I'm going to show you is the neuroscience of commitment. I'm going to give you an exercise that'll make you more committed to your business than you have ever been before. Now, here's the most important part, and we're going to cover this on day one. This is like the biggest secret in the internet marketing course industry. Most of the people who are selling internet marketing courses, their brains are just wired differently. 
Their brains were wired for success. Their brain was wired for inspired, consistent action long before they ever started their businesses. And what they're doing in their courses, they're telling you what to do. But as you know, the creative formula is this, be, do, have. If you skip the being part, if you skip the thinking and the feeling and the brain part of things, the wiring part of things, you won't do the things and you'll never have the business that you deserve to have. And that's what I'm going to show you how to do. I'm going to teach you the being part. We're going to talk about rewiring your brain so you can be become as successful as Marie Forleo and Brendan Burchard and Frank Kern and Daniel Leslie and all of the other people you admire in the internet coaching and expert and course creation space. So again, get signed up for the Entrepreneur's Mind Intensive at seancroxton.com slash E-M-I. That's next Tuesday through Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific time until 2 p.m. It's going to rock. I can't wait. Been getting ready for it for a long time. You're going to love it. Wayne Dyer coming up. And this program is really about transcendent ideas. The idea that within each and every one of us, there is something much more that most of us haven't even begun to tap that allows us to create for ourselves a solution to things that we have called problems in our lives. Transcendentalism was born here. And transcendentalism isn't an ism that you join. You don't pay any dues. You have to remember that back in the 1830s and 40s and 50s, there were things going on in this country and in this world that today we find intolerable. Slavery was an accepted practice at that time. But right here in Massachusetts, in Concord, people like Emerson and Bronson Alcott who's the father of Louisa May Alcott, and Nathaniel Hawthorne, Henry David Thoreau, people who would come to the school of philosophy and talk about ideas about how to abolish such things as slavery. All of those ideas and more. The idea that um, somehow this notion that uh, we are wicked or that we are born in sin, or that there's something wrong with us as people. All of this was uh, being discussed here in this place, in this beautiful place where new transcendent ideas took place. I was introduced to these kinds of ideas when I was a young boy. I was a uh, sophomore in Detroit on the east side at Denby High School, and I had a biology teacher And my biology teacher was a very well-meaning, a very nice man. And he asked me if I would, uh, and as he did everybody else in the class, uh, if we would like to pass biology, that we would like to uh, turn in something called a leaf collection. Now, I had already passed leaves. (laughs) I had identified all the leaves that there were to identify and uh, gotten uh, a good grade on them. But he said, no, you have to do something more. You have to collect a whole bunch of them and and turn them in for an assignment and prove that you have seen them. And I told him in probably not the most diplomatic of ways, I won't be doing that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. At that time, there were some tough things going on in my own family, and I was working, and my mom was going through a hard time, and uh, there was a divorce situation taking place, and uh, it just seemed like a waste of time to me. 
And I've always kind of been one of those people who, um, and I'm not saying that I encourage this, I'm just saying that uh, I recognize it as a trait that uh, I've lived with my entire life. That doing things that just didn't make sense were something that I always at least questioned. And more than questioned, I, uh, I took the consequences. I think that probably the most famous line out of William Shakespeare is a line that uh, is most quoted because it is um, that which tells us an enormous truth, to be or not to be. That is the question. And it's a very powerful and important question to ask yourself. Am I going to be? Am I not going to be? But the lines that followed it were even more significant. Whether it is nobler in the minds of men to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and thus by opposing end them. And so you have to always ask yourself that question. I think I was doing that. I didn't quote Shakespeare in those days. But I knew that um, doing things that didn't seem right or didn't make sense or were just being done because everybody else did them didn't fit in. And when I told my biology teacher that I wouldn't be doing that, he sent me to the principal's office. And I sat in the principal's office on this bench that had been worn smooth by generations of people just like myself, <laughs> waiting to see the principal. <laughs> And I waited and I waited a Monday and then a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And finally, on Thursday morning, I was escorted into the principal's office. And he informed me that everybody had to do the leaf collection and I was no better than anybody else. And if I didn't do it, I would be taking biology over again in the summer. But in those three days that I waited for the principal to make his decision about what my consequences were going to be, they left books for us to read hoping somehow that uh, perhaps even if we didn't read it just by os osmosis, you know, just by sitting next to it, perhaps some of this wisdom would come to us. And one of the books that they left there for us to read was written by a man who, uh, who came into this church and uh, who lived right here in this town. His name was Henry David Thoreau. And it was called Walden Pond. And I read through Walden, and it was all about nature, and it was all about uh, sort of having a great reverence for, uh, for all that is natural. But at the back of that particular edition, there was an essay that he had written. And the essay was called On the Necessity of Civil Disobedience. And I'd like to recommend to any of you who are running schools, if you have children that you are trying to get to conform and to fit in and to be just like everybody else, don't have them read Thoreau. <laughs> and don't tell them to read uh, Emerson's essay on self-reliance, which also happened to be at the back of this particular uh, edition. And in that particular essay, he was talking about the importance of taking a stand against things that you thought were foolish and about not just fitting in and not just being what everybody else tells you you should be. And by the time Thursday got in there and I went into the principal's office, I felt like I was a, an American philosopher. <laughs> I felt like I was someone that should be in there being recognized <laughs> and have books written about rather than uh, someone being told to write a leaf collection. And I had a girlfriend at that time. Uh, her name was Mary Jo, and Mary Jo was one of those people that we called curve breaker, you know? She didn't just do a leaf collection. She would have it indexed, you know? <laughs> And she would have it color-coded, and she would uh, send to Australia for uh, eucalyptus leaves. I mean, she, 
And she offered to even do it for me. And I said, no, it's a matter of principle. I said, it just doesn't make sense to make people do things just for the reason of fitting in and being just like everybody else. And that was my introduction to transcendentalism. And Thoreau became someone that uh, I had great admiration for. And Emerson, who was considered to be America's teacher, I had incredible respect for. Thoreau had a wonderful definition of success in that essay. He said, if you advance confidently in the direction of your own dreams and endeavor to live the life which you have imagined, you will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. And it's always been my very favorite definition of success, advancing confidently, making the decisions that make sense to you, being independent of the good opinion of everyone else out there, trusting in here that this is why I'm here and there's music playing inside of me and I must let that music come out. And too many of us don't. That was Wayne Dyer. His website is drwaynedyer.com. You can find today's talk on the YouTube. It is called Wayne Dyer. There's a spiritual solution to every problem. Don't forget to get signed up for my free live three-day event. It is live on Zoom next Tuesday through Thursday. Get signed up at seancroxton.com slash E-M-I. That's the Entrepreneur's Mind Intensive. I will see you tomorrow with Mr. Steve Harvey. I'm out. Peace. (laughs) 